0: <laughs> uh, my name is Brian Lee O'Malley I'm created Scott Pilgrim and you are watching Geekscape
1: hey Geekscapists we're here at the West Hollywood Book Fair on a sunny Sunday afternoon in the uh, comic bug tent we're here with Mike McNulla, creator of Hellboy among other things like amazing screw on head have you had a good time here at the bookstore at the book fair I have. And how was the signing? You, you just did a big signing. Uh, anybody ask you any small signing? <laughs> small signing, but but it was a very nice signing. And uh, what what's the thing that people most frequently ask you to sign? Hellboy. Any any like big Hellboy tome like you guys got, you've got these big hardbound uh, volumes. Why don't you look, take a look at that, Brian? And Brian. That way. <laughs> right.
2: There you go. That's a new one. Um, take a look at that. Yeah, I sign a, a, a fair number of those, uh, and it's, it's, you know, now there's, there's three of them. So it's just, it's, it's horrifying to watch somebody try to lug three of those things. They, they each weigh, like, you know, about this, you know, as much as a house. Uh, so it seems people try to wrestle three of them up to the table. I always feel obligated to spend some time and talk to them if they've been lugging those things around. But, you know, it's always something different. What's the weirdest thing you've had people come bring you for a signing? I don't, nothing nothing that springs to mind. You know, it's 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 very funny that like today for some reason I had several people bring up copies of um, a Dracula comic I had done a zillion years ago. So you kind of wonder what is it about this show or this day or this time of year that makes people dig that thing out. Um, I don't know. I mean, nothing nothing really insanely freakish i mean the 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 thing that's still strange to me is i sign dvd covers and movie posters and stuff like that stuff that i kind of almost forget i had anything to do with so you don't realize how much the you know the hellway stuff has expanded until you do a signing and people have all these different objects there's starting to be more things like um action figures and things like that that i'm not aware of there was, there was merchandise from the second Hellboy picture that I've never seen so sometimes people ask me to sign stuff and it's like hey I don't have one of these so that's weird now when you started
1: Hellboy it was it was just you in that first uh, storyline but as you've gone on and, and you're now in your second decade or or so of Hellboy you're starting to work with other people like John Arcudi, Guy Davis uh, you've got uh, all these different people starting to tell some of the Hellboy and BPRD stories with you uh, do you see that as expanding even further much like the ancillary merchandising that's been going on with the films
2: um... there's a little bit more expansion planned um, I, did, I never want to expand so much that I don't know what's going on. Uh, everything that comes out is either written by me or at least co plotted by me. So I, I would hate to ever have things get big enough that I, I, you know, the books went by and I went, oh, look, what's that? I've never seen that. Um, I you know, John Arcudi and I have worked together for a long time. So I trust John to, to handle the material. Um, it's, but it's still my baby so I, I'm very selective about who I work with and I, I try to be as hands-on as I can and I think it shows because even the, like, like the 1940s books
1: are, are phenomenal uh, and they definitely still have your feel and, and even when you have somebody else doing the artwork on the actual Hellboy title it still has that feel of your pacing but I, I'm really enjoying this last uh, mini series that, that it hasn't had your artwork on it. Are you doing the uh, layouts, or are you doing any part of the artwork, or are you just leaving up, li- leaving it up to the other artists? Uh,
2: with this new BPRD, I, I had a hand in in well, the plot was largely mine. Uh, I worked with Josh Dicehart on it, <clears throat> but I gave him a pretty detailed breakdown for how that story would flow, and I, you know, I had a hand in picking those artists. So. And, and even, you know, I think on the last issue, there's a little bit of design work that I did on it, but I never do, you know, I rarely do actual thumbnails for people. Um, but if you look at the sketchbook sections for all the different books, um, for the Hellboy books, for the BPRD books, you'll usually see some drawing by me. So I, I do have a hand. I do work pretty closely with all the artists, which I'm sure makes me a real pain in the ass <laughs> some days. But I, I try to be involved. So much of this stuff, I... I thought up, and it's easier for me to do a drawing for some, you know, of certain things than it is to try to explain to them what I'm looking for.
1: And right now, the BPRD are kind of flying hellboy list. Meanwhile, you got Hellboy uh, in, in, in England and Europe doing his own storyline. Is there any plans now to bring them back together and, and streamline it back
2: into Hellboy in the BPRD? Is that something fans can look forward to? That would be telling. But... <laughs> Let's just say that in the next year, uh, especially with the BPRD miniseries, King of Fear, which is the next one coming up, and even with some of the things that are going on in Hellboy, you, uh, readers are going to see a dramatic change coming. In the next year, It's a lot of stuff in this next year and the year beyond that even more. So uh, some gigantic changes are, are happening. What I like is that... The entire
1: book BPRD is gigantic. You guys are destroying cities. There's entire underworlds that are coming and flipping over buildings. You've got—I mean—that's that's just a building. That's just a story that gets so big, and there's huge monsters. I love seeing Guy Davis draw those things.
2: It's getting bigger. Uh, one of the things I said to John at the very beginning, and and we have this conversation more and more, is the Hellboy universe is not never needs to get back to normal. So when we start to break stuff, let's keep breaking stuff and and let it stay broken. So, um, yeah, again, there are giant changes coming.
1: And that even includes characters like Liz. You know, she's gone through some changes where she's almost catatonic you know and 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 she's trying to figure out who she is you've got abe trying to find out who he really is and as they get these answers you're right these characters are are done for good it's nice reading a book for once that has uh, these spectacular things that aren't stuck in a second act
2: yeah i mean there there is no um intention in the hellbay world to get things back to normal um you know John and I have a really interesting way to, of working together because I'll say I want these things to happen. I, I kind of give him broad strokes for how certain things should evolve, and then John kind of has to deal, you know, has to write what this does to the characters. Um, and you do certain things to these characters, and they're never going to be the character they they were. And and I'm doing the same thing with Hellboy. There are things that are being done with Hellboy now that once you've turned that corner you can never really turn it back one thing that i fortunately that i can do with both hellboy and bprd both hellboy's been around since 1944 bprd has been around since 45 46 so there are a lot of stories set in the past that we haven't done so i can do classic hellboy i can have you know Hellboy, when his life was a little less complicated, I can do those stories and continue to do those stories, but they're set in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s, whereas the Hellboy that I'm writing now, um, that's that's a much different character, and he will continue to be a much different character. So these are your babies growing up. Outside of the Hellboy
1: universe, are there any babies you're going to introduce to us anytime soon?
2: Um, not... Well, yeah, 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 kind of. I mean, I, I co-wrote a novel two years ago with Chris Golden called Baltimore or the Steadfast Tin Soldier and the Vampire.
1: Yeah,
2: there, oh, there it is. Oh. Um, so that's an, one of my babies. It was supposed to be a comic, but I ended up doing it as a, as a novel. We're actually going to be doing a comic uh, filling in some of the blanks in that book. So, so, there's going to be a comic of that character. Um, and Chris and I are doing a couple more novels in the next year or so. So, I'm introducing some new characters that way, but in comics, I'm, I'm gonna be doing some more stories to round out an Amazing Screw Head collection next year. Um, but most of my contribution will be within that Hellboy world. Well, we're all looking forward to all
1: of it, Mike. Thank you so much for talking to us here on GeekScape. My pleasure. Right, thank, you. thank you. We're here with Josh Dysart. He's a uh, writer. You guys may recognize him from Unknown Soldier. He's also doing uh, Swamp Thing. But uh, if you're a big fan of BPRD like me, you've got 1947 and 1946 that he's written. Uh, I'm a big fan of talking Russian dolls as well as uh, Monkey you know what would you, those little monkey guys in the castle in 1947
3: Oh yeah yeah little servants Yeah they're, they're just they're just pitiful
1: tired weary men and uh, you're writing some dark stuff in that book, but unknown Soldier is sort of like a uh, like a personality complex gone bad. it's a little bit of deja vu previous lives, alternate lives type of thing with this where kind of a politically minded uh, moral individual starts to have flashes of Almost an alternate version of himself where he starts to, ha- to have these flashes. How would you describe this personality disorder that's happening in Unknown Soldiers? And uh, how, how do you, um, what motivated you? Was it the politics of doing a book like that?
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. As a matter of fact, it, when I. Kn- you know, um, not being uh, pro-war, <laughs> I um, I knew that when I wrote a war book, I was going to have to find an angle for the character. Uh, and I have always invested a lot of myself into my protagonists. It's the only no- way I know how to write. So, bringing him, uh, dealing with my own struggle with pacifism and as a pacifist, uh, and, and, and having also this very violent nature that expresses itself in my art, in my writing, um, I, I just, it was a natural way to take the character, to, to drag him from pacifism into a very morally complex place where, where decisions are, uh, that he makes are not black and white, and then, and then he, be, he makes the wrong decisions. He,
1: he it, it's almost like a Bruce Wayne who doesn't want to be Batman. Right, it's, right. It, it's somebody who socially is well respected and can, he can do a lot of groundwork on his own, but when he does hit those walls, the, the personality starts to cave in. And, and is that something that you face with every day as a pacifist, where you're like, you know what, I would like to just throw a brick through that guy's
3: window. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't even identify myself as a pacifist because I have that, that, that struggle and that challenge. So, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, the the roots of violence and why we treat each other the way we do when we treat each other cruelly uh, is something that's fascinating to me as a species w- you know we have such a range from absolute compassion to complete and utter vile behavior and uh hopefully if we're doing our job right with the book you know we're actually exploring that full range of humanity you know the ngos who are there assisting and also uh, the rebel leaders who are using religion to, to you know to morally turn these children's worlds upside down, turn them into child soldiers. I should mention this point takes place in East Africa, uh, in the child and deals with child soldiers in northern Uganda. So um, so yeah, if I can capture that full range, then I can really do something I've kind of been trying to do to various degrees of success, mostly unsuccessfully, my whole career, which is explore the roots of violence. You know, which is a, a pretty big subject to to fuck with. Tackle, sorry.
1: No, you can, t- You, you, you can can say, t- yes, express yourself to, <laughs> to your fullest. Um, now, Swamp Thing, usually, uh, we, we know it as a bit of an environmental book, a bit of a psychological book. How are you going about tackling Swamp Thing? Because it seems like you know, when it comes to Swamp Thing, there's Alan Moore, and then there's the other guys. How, yeah. how intimidating is that?
3: Well, I am one of the other guys. Right. Uh, you know, well, first of all, let me just state that I, uh, I finished my Swamp Thing run like mm-hmm. three or four years ago, right. so. <laughs> so it's not a current thing, but... It was a huge stepping stone in my career. Um, as far as the question goes, it, yeah, no, total paralysis. You sit there at your desk, and you sit down to write Swamp Thing, and you just think, what what the fuck am I doing? This is ridiculous. I shouldn't do this. I never would have pitched the book on my own. And we're, we speak of sacred things when we speak of Swamp Thing. And I... Uh, it was terrifying. I, I operated and created from a place of complete and utter fear and doubt. The, the whole two years I wrote it.
1: But did any of that make itself into the book? Because yeah. there are those horror elements of Swamp Thing. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So, um, 100% Swamp Thing, uh, my Swamp Thing experienced an extreme existential dilemma about who he was and why he was doing it.
1: <laughs> and it's because I, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, do you like bridging that gap of psychological horror? But where, where, I mean, there's that physical, like in BPRD, yeah. you've got... Literally, uh, the, the 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 spirit world and the physical world yeah. butting heads, and th- there's all sorts of uh, uh, of uh, things that happen where, you know, somebody drifting through a ghost world will have a, a castle collapse, only to find that in the real world, right. yes, it will kill him yeah. And then you've got the unknown soldier, where somebody can blank out for a moment, complete, uh, you know, commit complete acts of violence and then realize, oh my god, this is hor- horrific what I've done. Is, is that just something that, that is a theme in, in your work or uh, beyond just the, the, the bouts of violence? Uh, is the psychological something that you try and Wrap your head around when you're writing. Is that what gets you keeps you interested in yeah, this? Yeah,
3: th- that's precisely right. I mean, I don't think horror. For me, horror is not successful unless it's about the psychological aspects and its impact on the character. So, so that's something I'm definitely interested in. Um, as far as a theme goes, uh, you know, you know, never discover the themes in your own work until you've executed the work and you look back over a body of work and you realize, wow, I'm really obsessed with this one thing. You know, um, but yes, I I think that. I think that being lost, I think that being afraid, I think that being um, uh, particularly of yourself and of your own actions is something I'm really interested in, yeah, yeah. So it makes it into the work again and again and again. Yeah, totally.
1: Now William you found a book of, of Josh's. Where, where is this? Go grab this book. And and it deals with fear, it deals with psycholo- uh, psychology and uh, deep-rooted character. Oh, no, we're we're going to bust your balls on this one. Okay. W- William run over here. No, Take, a to- Take a look at this. Take a look at this. Now this is going to scare the hell out of you Geekscapists. This is Avril Levine's right. Make Five Wishes. Now when you make five wishes you are dealing with a supernatural spirit world oh. and what Fears in the unknown that and what is you more make. Scary I mean, than Avril Levine. This this is this is hand in hand with the stuff that you've been wrestling actually, with your entire career. You know what? I'm going to be
3: really honest with you. I, I'm embarrassed about this book on a couple levels, but I'm actually pretty proud of it on some other ones. I think it's very well written. It's one of the most successful. You're absolutely right. It's one of the most successful integrations of my themes. Uh, and it's an all ages book, which is really trippy to be able to write all ages horror. I love that. Um, you know, on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, I got paid by Arva Levine to write this book, you know. And what are you going to do? Would it be more awesome if it was about Iggy Pop earlier in his career? Yes. If it's Iggy Pop's Make Five Wishes? it, It says created by
1: you. It says created by you and Camilla. Yeah. L- let's take a look. It was
3: created by Camilla De Erica and myself, the artist. Now,
1: now, what was that like getting hired by Avril to, to, to do her uh, comic representation? You
3: know, uh, I actually uh, said no the f- the immediately. Why? Said
1: no. Why would you say no? You, you got a mortgage <laughs> to pay. You got uh, that's rent right. To pay.
3: Man's got to eat. But here's, but you know, I was doing okay at the time, not great. And this book definitely. I mean, we definitely made some money off doing the book. Absolutely. I paid eleven years of back taxes. Avril Levine paid eleven years of back taxes. But um but you know camilla was a friend of mine the artist and she was already involved in it
1: and she had you know we josh i'm gonna kill myself you need to come help me please please she calls me and she she leaves me these text messages i don't know what the hell she's talking about i need you i need you to come yeah. please that was exactly how it went down like your collaborative process that was, process it. That was it. it
3: yeah that was it no
1: no no i i just
3: really wanted to work with her and also um the people that put it together uh sandy Gracino from house of parlance and everything i was just It was a team I really wanted to work with. And I gotta be honest, I really actually am pretty proud of it. And you know, Comics Journal, can I just say? Comics Journal said um, it's the finest silk purse from a Salzier they've ever seen. All
1: right. You
3: You cannot get a better review for a book
1: about Avril Lavigne. So guys, here we go. We started out with a joke, and I think we just ended up with an endorsement. <laughs> so you guys go out there and buy this. This is Abercrombie's Mi- Make Five Wishes. If you must. There's two volumes of this baby, and, I, and we expect you guys to fully cooperate and get and get these things. Go into your comic book store, comic and, store ask, and ask. Ask for, ask for
2: it. Big uh, guy.
1: That That's right. Do it. Do Remember it. That stone gollumed mutant that sits behind the counter at your comic book <laughs> store. Ask him for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> He's gonna go. <laughs> You should be reading Blackest Night. It's excellent. Tell them, fuck Blackest Night. We want this. All right? Let's turn the comic industry on its head. That's right. You know. That's right. No, I mean, come on. Guess what? Alan Moore didn't write this 20 years ago. (laughs) No, but Alan Moore did
3: some shit to pay the bills, too. (laughs) Let me just state. No, but also, you know, look. I'm just going to give you a vibe on it. I mean, at the end, the protagonist, who's a 13-year-old girl, drowns herself. So, I mean, come on. It's kind of interesting. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's all i got to say on that matter.
1: Josh, thank you. You have been a good guest here on Geekscape. Thank you, thank you thank so you for much. Are you enjoying attention. the fest? I, I am.
3: I've had it? a blast. I'm done with all my responsibilities. I did two panels. I got to interview Brian Lee O'Malley, who does Scott Pilgrim, who I think is a great modern genius. So
1: I had a blast. Oh, we're we're fans of your work as well, thank so you, baby. dude, thank, thank you. you. Continue to keep writing those great, funny books. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll see you again on Geekscape. You're local, so yeah, that's, that's right. Now
4: have us. me in
3: any time. I'm down. Cool, man.
1: Thanks. Cool. So, Geekscape is walking around places like the West Hollywood Book Fair. You run into all sorts of people who are also selling uh, the books that they've written. This is Dr. John Brandenburg. He's a physicist. Am I correct? That's right, Doctor. And um, you've actually written a uh, book that you're selling here under a pen name. Right. Why don't you tell us a bit about this book?
5: Uh, okay. Uh, I've written, actually, uh,
1: this is the novel,
5: um, Asteroid 2020-2012 Sepulveda, and it's about a uh, Mexican-American woman who's an astronomer, and she discovers an asteroid by accident and names it after her family and then goes off to a marriage of her cousin in old Mexico, and the Air Force discovers it's going to hit the Earth in a year so she gets sucked into a big deep black program to try and stop the asteroid and i tried to make this as technically accurate as possible as to what would really happen in the government in uh in as far as space technology uh if we had to stop an asteroid with short warning time like one year so it's not armageddon I and mean, it's not uh like a tom so clancy it's not, novel it's not deep no no well it is a little i would say i'm an admirer of tom clancy so it's Clancy-esque, that's for sure, and of course it's a soap opera. And uh,
1: there's romance in there. Oh, there's a little, little bit of steaminess absolutely. in there. Some oh, sex. Absolutely. sex, sex, lies, doomsday. <laughs> is, that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think that's what what's, what <laughs> says it. It says above us here at the booth yeah, is "sex, said, lies, and that doomsday." You are a I salesman, sir.
5: Said, "Yeah, it's very descriptive, John." <laughs> so uh, it's well, it's a, it's, just, it's a tale about human beings under uh, great duress. And um, one thing that happens is the government doesn't tell the public what's going on, and uh, but as news spreads among the governments themselves, the governments begin to panic. And crazy thing, as one person says, it says if somebody has added LSD to the world's water supply, and uh, so uh, it, it explores the craziness that is inherent in the human race, and um, also the. Uh, you know, my my family is part Mexican. I'm proud to say, and I explore mine too, sir. Mine too. I, I, I explore my brother. Angst the angst of uh, of being a, a Mexican American, having you know, it's like she goes back to old Mexico and sees her family. Her family's rich back there, and and they say you're a gringo. You're not really Mexican anymore. And she says, <laughs> she says, well, she's very upset to hear this, and uh, so she. She has that feeling of being part of two lands and part of two cultures, and um, she uh, she's sucked into a a deep black government program, and uh, is helping. And then they find out she went to Berkeley. Wow. <laughs> but she got involved in radical politics, so she has to uh she gets in a big jam. Is it
1: a there. bit autobiographical at that point as oh, well? No, no, it's a, well, it's I my uh
5: my uncle was a professor at Berkeley okay. and he worked on the uh nuclear bomb uh, during uh World War 2 in the Manhattan Project. So uh it kind of runs in my family, but part of my family is uh is Mexican American and I after drinking a lot of beer with him, I I I understand. <laughs> it's a all little, coming out here. A little you uh, sir. A little bit of their uh, of of the angst, and I discovered well, if you
1: have a character
5: who's Mexican American, they automatically have angst. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> now,
1: now, have you ever been described? I, I get this description. My mother's Mexican. My father's uh, born in Texas. Uh, I, I'm basically the Mexican Urkel. Uh, now, I, I, I mean, look looking at me, you wouldn't think that there's a whole lot of Mexican in me, would you, sir? No. And, and I would say the same thing about you. Now, how does it feel going undercover in, in, into like a, a Mexican restaurant and, and overhearing people talking in, in, in Spanish, maybe about you? Has that ever
5: occurred to you, sir? Oh, it's 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 always it's, it's it's happened. I don't know much Spanish, but I know enough.
1: <laughs> We're talking about being victims I know, here. I know Russian. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> wow! Well, now 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 now, Doctor John, yes. uh, you're using a pen name writing this book, Victor
2: Norgard. Yes,
4: because I'm Norgard.
5: I'm actually part in part of my mix. I'm also. Uh, half Icelandic. So the Icelandic saga—they were the storyteller. They were the storytellers story of the North.
1: It's almost as if that meteorite or asteroid hit the Earth and just blew up all over the place, and it all landed, and that's you. And that's me, <laughs> right? And uh, but
5: uh, like I—I've um, I, had an interesting life. Uh, somebody asked me who the two women on the cover of this novel is, which is the sequel. That's what Brian wants and, to know right here. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're they're my ex-wives <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but i i have uh <laughs> all right you uh, done you <laughs> done well for yourself sir uh, so um uh, anyway i've uh I've, I've learned a lot about different
1: cultures and how did you get into science fiction writing or, or you know, being a I physicist was inspired by science fiction that's
5: why i became a physicist i used to read you know like dune and doc smith's galactic patrol and all that great stuff. Yeah, you're going all out as a salesman. You've dressed up, you've, you've thrown yourself well, it into it. This you, is, right, is right. fun. I have a gimmick in order to, in order to get this booth. The said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, the people who organized this thing. So I thought, well, why not? I always wanted to dress up like an astronaut. I used to have lunch with astronauts. Yeah, a, Christmas a, Christmas astronaut, a, astronaut, <laughs> a Christmas astronaut, right. Well, I thought the flashy light. You also have a cape. Wait a well, minute. Hey, well, that's because my minute. oxygen tanks wouldn't fit. Wait a minute. Wait, he's a, he's got a cape. It would get a little drafty if I didn't have this cape. All right. All right. <laughs> but anyway, if you want um, lots of action, including between the sheets, uh, beautiful women, swashbuckling astronauts, Woo! secret agents, black ops. <laughs> uh, Nuclear weapons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, cra- crazy terrorists, campus radicals. Go, where can we go to get your book? Oh, you can buy it right here, twenty-five dollars. But uh, you can go to Amazon.com. Amazon.com, guys. That is the book well, right I'm here. Actually, you know, it's a uh, it's uh, people. Several guys have read it and they really liked it. And then uh, this this one was also uh, a minor hit, uh, where the um, this is. These two women are in the. Uh, Asteroid novel. Who's that hot who's chick I, right there? That uh, oh, she's a this same character, the blonde here, and she's a newscaster, a kind of dingy newscaster, but she's actually part of a classified program, and it's so classified she doesn't even know it exists, and she, she gets sucked into the uh, asteroid program because she gets interested in the asteroid, and that. Puts her on a list uh, in the secret government uh, files of people that they have to keep under surveillance.
1: This book may have put you on certain lists, don't you
5: think? As well, oh, I, I, I'm already been told i have on certain lists. So, absolutely, collapse of the, cover-up? Collapse of the UFO the cover-up the right here, to right here. Subliminal. The whole damn thing falls apart. You remember Close Encounters of the Third yes, Kind? Yes, Imagine that really happened.
1: Do, do you believe this crap about a man ever
5: having actually landed on the moon? Oh, I've been to the moon myself, so I've, I've looked at the sites. They're there. Okay. Okay, so, so that was not well, just actually, fabricated. You know, you know, when people ask me about that, I say, Do you really believe there's a moon? How do you know that isn't some kind of...
1: He just bent your mind, Geekscapist. He just bent your mind. Now, real quick, let, let's talk real quick about your buddy over here. Oh, absolutely. Because we, we, we don't want to leave you out of this. Talk, talk. Y- you're sharing You're sharing uh, your, your booth in with your vampire, buddy, Don. You're, you're sharing your buddy bo- Don over here. <laughs> Don, how are you doing over here? Fine. I'm doing fine. We're all over here in the booth. Don is well, uh, <laughs>
5: I, I can recommend this book if you want to get insomnia.
1: Well, what's making me crazy, Don, and maybe you can explain, Don, um, you say book, but it's in a DVD case.
4: Well, it is a DVD. Uh, it came out initially as a, an e-book. Okay, uh, but this, okay. But the publisher, Dark Realm Press, up in the Bay, uh, also has this available as a uh, hard copy book, but which I don't have any.
1: But people can download this as well when they pay for
4: it, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and what's it called? It's called. It's called Past Sins. Past it's a sins. novel of supernatural horror. See, I'm a medically retired criminal investigator. I was a detective, and in 1980 is that how you ran into John over here, investigating him? <laughs> no. Uh, well, actually, John and I met in Pensacola in 1990. I was shit goes deep. I was the director of research for UFO Magazine, my uh, publication begun by my wife. But in 1981, I investigated as a criminal investigator two cattle mutilations that were both exsanguinated. In other words, they were drained of blood. That was... Chupacabra! Chupacabra. Well, that's not what they were calling it then. What were they calling it then? Crazy hillbilly guys? Uh, they were calling it uh, cattle mutilations. Uh-huh. Now, when I became involved with UFO magazine for years, I was an investigator of that, and I found out really a lot about it. But that's what originally interested me in really? doing something on the vampire genre. But, but is the case still open? What happened to the cows? Well, the cows were dead, but no, it's never been solved. But this is not. Did you get fired? No, no. This is this is not something new. I mean, this has happened all over the United States. Cattle mutilations and and other animal mutilations.
1: It it may be a UFO involvement. What do you think?
4: There's been a very slight connection to the UFO phenomena, uh, where these animals have been found dead. Uh, there have been a lot of sightings of anomalous aerial phenomenon. So, yeah, there is a a connection, a slight connection. And this is a
1: fiction book that you've you've written about in that world?
4: Well, this is actually about a covert military intelligence operation that went bad. In 1965, in the book, the Central Intelligence Agency got their hands on a genuine, bona fide, supernatural vampire. The idea was an attempt to weaponize it and use it against the Russians. That was the original plot. Now, at the beginning of this century, the 21st century, one of these things got away, and things suddenly go to hell in a handbasket very quickly. Yeah,
1: Yeah. So that sounds like a pretty high-concept book.
4: Now, where can people find
1: Past Sins?
4: Amazon.com, Past Sins by Don Ecker, and also Dark Realm Press. Okay. Uh which is up in the uh the Bay Area. It's all over the net.
1: If you guys are watching this on a computer, I don't see why you wouldn't download this on your computer and watch it right there. You you, you can you can read it right here just a couple clicks. You guys can purchase this book. You guys can purchase Asteroid 2012 to any 2012 Sepulveda they both got ebook versions. So you guys, you guys are all digitally minded for your entertainment. Why don't you guys pick up these books right here? All right? Thank you so much for being with us, Thank guys. You. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Dr. John. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Look at out. this. Look at here. 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 this. I've got been you got recruited. You've been recruited. Thank you, Captain. <laughs> Wait, did you tuck your cape into your suit? Yeah, that's right. Look at, Look, awesome at Look, Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. It's supposed to be my oxygen tank, but, uh, Oh, whoa, whoa, all right. <laughs> here, look at this, guys. <laughs>
5: there, it's a boat. Right. <laughs>
6: Thank In you, guys.
1: guys. <laughs>
5: you guys
6: are great. Ah, oh, welcome to Geekscape, everybody. We are here with, uh, probably the single most talented human being ever, ever, Brian Lee O'Malley. Brian? Hello. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brian Lee Malley, as you uh, all, no doubt all know, uh, created Scott Pilgrim, uh, and Geekscape is your source for movie, comics, and video games, uh, and Scott Pilgrim is going to be all three, uh, as we've, uh, we've 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 just heard. Uh, tell me about the Scott Pilgrim video game that just been announced. Reveal everything.
0: It's uh, it's a video game. <laughs>
6: Well, the one thing I want to know about, because we all, because we all, one of the great things about Scott Pilgrim is that it actually uses video games as a source for storytelling, for structure. A lot of the books are based on kind of a boss fight mentality, so we're kind of wondering what, what kind of video game we can expect from that. Is it like a final fight beat em up? Or uh, Mega Man, each boyfriend's going to be its own boss, and you beat him in a different order, it's going to actually matter? Do you have any preference on that, or can you not say a damn thing? <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm probably not supposed to say anything, really. Um, okay. I mean, it's, it's pretty early. Like, I yeah. know these things don't take that long, or some of them, some of them don't. I don't know. Hopefully, yeah. it's won't.
6: Do, do you have any preference if it's going to be like based on your drawing style, or just want it to be like Street Fighter, the movie, the video game, where it's just uh, Michael, Sarah,
0: uh, just beating up dudes? Uh, yeah, no, that was that was the one thing we always said we yeah. very much didn't want. Um, so it's gonna. I think it's gonna be more cartoony, more like the books.
6: We're all very excited about that. Uh, where are you right now in regards to the sixth eagerly anticipated book?
0: I uh, just finished writing it. I'm just starting drawing it. So uh, you know, am on track to get it out next uh, June or so.
6: Is the plan to have it out in time before the movie gets released?
0: That's the plan. That's the intention. Um, we, we still don't have a release date for the movie, so uh, it's hard to know. But, yes, we'd like to. Uh, and another thing, this is interesting, because I
6: can't remember a single franchise since maybe Star Wars in which people were excited to learn the name of the next upcoming installment. Do do you, Can you announce the name? And if not, can you at least tell us whether or not you have the name?
0: Uh, I have a name, but I no, I'm not going to announce it. I'm not, I don't even want to tell anyone anything about it until... Until the date comes out,
6: if we guessed it, could you uh, could you could you maybe sort of nod? Scott Pilgrim Reloaded, Scott Pilgrim in the Undiscovered Country. Okay, I was kind of hoping. Um, well, I just want to say uh, I want to thank you for Scott Pilgrim, and I think a lot of people have like a really close uh, affection. For Scott Pilgrim, because even though it is kind of fanciful, even though it is obviously kind of broad, um, it, I think it really connects to a lot of people in our age group and, and younger. I remember when Volume 3 came out, I was undergoing a very bad breakup, and uh, there's Knives Chow's uh, dialogue with Scott about how she's so glad at least she can feel something. It uh, actually got me through a really tough time, and I wanted to thank you for that personally. Do, do you? Do you uh, do you do you get uh, any like people out there just like you know crying thanking you A- any anything <laughs> any personal like uh, stories you don't want to hear like that
0: one? N- no, not really, not really? too much. Uh, you know, I've heard I've heard like kind of vague allusions to stuff like what you just said, um, yeah. but no one is uh, no one has ever come that close to me. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I don't know if that's
6: good or bad. I I just laid my soul. I, I I've laid my soul there and only. Sa- Excuse me, I have something in my eye. Uh, well, uh, well, uh, Brian, Brian, let me ask you uh, uh, one more question before we, before we go, before I completely run out of things to say. I am so in awe of simply your presence. Uh, is there any question that no one has asked you that you're kind of surprised about? That I'm surprised that no one's asked me? Yeah, like it's like you kind of felt like, oh, I figured everyone would give me crap for this or everyone would ask me about this, and no one's really tapped into it. No, let me ask you one then <laughs> let me ask you one. I wonder. I wonder if you got Go in this it. in volume one Scott and Ramona's first date Scott talks about uh, his last job and how we're gonna get to that in the next volume and then Ramona says I don't even want to talk about my last job and you say maybe volume
0: three we're on. we're on volume five uh, are we ever gonna know about that? Uh, maybe not really? It kind of fell out of volume three and then I was like maybe I should do it in volume four Maybe I should do it in volume five, but um It kind of Became less important to me. I don't know. And th- there's an allusion to it in Volume yeah. Five, though. Okay. The twins make an allusion
6: to it. Oh right. Oh, that was
0: it. That's 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 sort of
6: it. We're gonna we're gonna we're comb through that issue, and we're gonna we're gonna yeah.
0: try to get everything
6: we can out of it. So we're gonna go back through uh, Volume Five. I'm gonna thank you once again for a fantastic book series. Thank you very much. Back to you, Jonathan.